0: I'm overjoyed to introduce our guest today, Mr. Steve Brenzel. Steve is a venerable television professional and a longtime video editor. And while nearly everybody has a Bart Star story, I guarantee you nobody has quite the entertaining story that Steve has. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I couldn't remember what that was for, but um, I love that you guys pulled me in. Um, this was back in the days when it was Pulse um and you guys would pull me in for whatever was wacky and off the wall we're like let's call carol and let's steve and carol throw them in a room together and see what
1: happens Mm -hmm. right we never spent enough time in a room together i don't think because (laughs) i think that good things could have happened not enough you know in a uh like In a super creative way, way, yes. Yes, I think we could have been a contender.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to talk to you today about the life and times of Steve Brenzel, And um, as you know, this is for um, the Fox River Ad Club. And you've been around a long time. You've hosted several of the Addy Award dinners. I I Um, did. In fact, one of them,
1: of course, was that I was not supposed to have hosted and the video did not show up. And the guy, well, remained nameless because it was a career wrecker. Uh, he like was supposed to have the video, and at the last minute, they came over to me and like, Renzel, can you just do this? And I was kind of like, Do what? I didn't even know what they were talking about. And it ended yes. up being the award show.
0: And it was probably an award-winning award show because you well, just got up there and improvised and it was it was classic and it was hilarious. Then- it was probably better than the video.
1: The best part for me was that, and this is what I think kicked it off, was that the first award was presented to, uh, God, what is the, it was uh, the LAUX agency for their work with Otis Spunkmeyer. So literally, <laughs> I had my first one had Spunkmeyer in it. And from that point on, it was all over. That's literally the way it went. I looked at the person and i was like, I'm literally going to have to read 700 awards. And not to mention, I was not fully cognizant at the time <laughs> you were I there to party attendee.
0: yes yes
1: well oh. i was an attendee and then my first thing had spunk in it and i was all <laughs> i mean at that point it was all it was all uphill from there and so that made it fun it was fun
0: that was fun um and so i think we're all eternally grateful for you mm. for taking that over um doing the Addies is always a um a huge commitment for whoever takes it on. And so um you certainly Well, much more so
1: for the people who have to make the actual stuff, you know. Correct. Uh it's right. yeah, to just get up there and do it, it's fun and it's you know, it's really not that much. But you know, for the people who have to make all of the it's very thankless it and is. you want to have it be kicking, yeah. and yet of course you don't have time and the you know, everyone wants it to be fantastic. So it's nothing but it's sort of a lose lose if you're going to be doing the Eddies. It's not, although when Pulse did the Eddies the first time, they really nobody knew who they were. I was working in Milwaukee at the time, but they did some really nice stuff, and I think it kind of put them on the map.
0: I think so. You I know? can I I do have a f- quite a few memorable ones where it was just a little outside the box, something crazy. They all they always used to have a theme, and that would help. And of course, I would go in costume because that's my thing. Uh, I love to have a theme. And uh, so,
1: yeah. Jenny, I think you, and again, I call you honey only because we have that That's kind okay, of sugar. It's that lovely Twanetta thing. It's like, honey, That's I got right, to you,
0: you know,
1: you were made to uh, have uh, costumes and stuff. I think that you, if anything, do you feel in your life that you have held back on all those things somewhat?
0: Probably. I'm very
1: pragmatic. Semi-normal?
0: Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably I'm very pragmatic, or else uh, you know maybe I would have pursued something different. But if somebody asked me, like you know, you guys would always ask me, and I'm like, yeah, I can do it, I'll do it. You know, not enough people ask me, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, see, this is the thing, though. But actually, what what I'm getting at here is that uh, for the people who are, if anyone actually watches this, and I don't know if they do or not, you know, lots of people have amazing talents that you might not even know about. So part of it, you know, is some networking and some getting to know each other because this world now, we don't meet each other in person enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get a really good handle on who people are uh, by being doing this. So you let's talk about I mean? your
0: amazing talents, okay? All right, because well, we have I'm a lot amazed. of folks that listen in, and they're all maybe some younger ones who are just now entering the industry. And you're a seasoned Veteran yeah. of
1: that's so nicely put. <laughs> actually, uh, that is so awful. I don't wish to be seasoned. I want to be like the the steak that doesn't taste very good. You know what I mean? Like, damn, you're, could you? Well, it you're, so not like the, you're not like the you're not like
0: the cigar chomping Lou Grant. where right? it's no, not right? not, no, not no, that no. kind of seasoned. But you're like no, you know no. No. professional. Well, I've you... been
1: a, I've been around yes. uh, for this is actually uh, my forty first year. <gasps> Oh my gosh. I you know. were, so
0: you were 12, 10 when no. you started?
2: Oh. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, How did, ha, tell us
0: tell us well. your origin story. How did you start working in I don't know if it was television or just video production or well, what was your first role?
1: my intent was to be in radio so oh. i grew up uh in milwaukee in, in under very strange circumstances and i used to listen to george collin records uh like incessantly where he would do the wonderful wino radio and so i loved the thought of being on the radio so i went to gb and they had a really good station at the time really good campus radio station wgbw which mm. was 3000 watts which normally they're 10 watts and so it was Good enough that i would get letters from the prison uh regularly
2: <laughs> wow. and have
1: consummated some of those relationships were lovely they really became lovely uh and so but uh i thought i wanted to be in radio but in my final semester i had to have an internship and the professor who was responsible for my actually graduating dean o'brien And that was his first name, Dean. He wasn't a dean.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, He said that I should get a television internship. And he said that there were three available, two, five, and 11. Two and five were for pay. And 11 was not for pay. And he said, you should go to 11. Because he felt like I would fit in at the place that had no pay. And so I was stupid enough at the time to agree. And uh, rather than just take the pay, which is sort of a no brainer, but it turned out, that he was correct. And so uh, you know, back in those days, interns really got to do stuff. So I got to do an, a remarkable amount of stuff. But on my first night, uh, we had I was out with the news crews, right? So the the mini cam and the mm-hmm. recorder, and uh in those days I would carry the recorder. It was my first night, and the recorder wasn't built into the camera like it is now. So we went to some horrible can do I have to use perfect language on here?
0: No. Hell no. Oh, okay. shit
1: no. Well, so we went to just a shit bag, like, sewerage commission meeting. And so, this is my first day, and I'm like holding the recorder, and it's just the world's worst thing. It's just, oh my God. And I'm thinking, is this really? Did I go to college for this? So, somehow, during the course of that, a huge barn fire started in Reedsville. So, they somehow alerted us because there were no cell phones, there were no nothing. Sure. Uh, so, they alerted us and we then made this crazy 80 mile an hour drive in the middle of winter to reedsville with fritzy borgwart the reporter driving who was the worst driver in the world and and still i would not drive with her even now as she so we get there and it is a raging barn fire and unlike now where you go down the street we are literally one foot away from the firefighter and there's flame and there's ice and it's like it was the coolest thing i'd ever done in my life And that's why I'm here today. You're sold. I was like, (laughs) they get paid to do that? I went from being, how could I possibly do this? To they get paid for doing that. And that was the end. And I still, 41 years later, I still drive to work. And I feel like uh, in many ways, I get paid to do this. I still feel the same way after all that time.
0: That is fabulous. Now, I I, I don't want to digress too much, but I do. I was one of your fans when lockdown happened and you went on social media and just started telling stories. And that was hilarious. You had so many, um, and that's what it reminded me of. One of your stories was some reporting that happened and you showed this video of the guy.
1: Yeah. W- w- Jeff Marisola, yeah.
0: Yeah, where he yep. was like, it was the most bizarre reporting that you had to do. And he was, y- trying to keep a straight face
1: and it was awful well we got set out on a weekend in that one and the story was about this lady who lost one of her chihuahuas yeah. and it's like that's how bad the news was. literally we come in we are the only crew on on a weekend for a full half hour newscast <laughs> and the one story they can find and we were go from Escanaba to Fond du Lac to Wausau the one story they could find was Betty and her missing chihuahua, which had been found when we got there. <laughs> so it was just a ridiculous. And then Jax uh he was the reporter. He and I, we used to get just wasted at parties that he would have and he collected nutcrackers like those dumbass nuts. Oh, yeah. You know, like the ones. Yes. Uh, the soldier soldier. ones. Mm-hmm. So we would play Thomas Dolby blinded by science. We'd all be completely wasted. And then every time they'd go, science, we would be doing that with the mouth of the <laughs> nutcrackers. Like a lot of us, not just two. <laughs> I mean, there is a bunch of wasted people. And we're all like science. <laughs> and so so it was not hard for Jeff and I to uh, go off. But those stories that I told, I had a whole bunch more laying in wait. But I felt like after I did twenty-five or whatever, I thought, you know what? I'm just like, this is just
0: it's me it's it's lockdown, me. right? It's quarantine. You yeah. do what you got to do, and then
1: we're on to yeah, the next I got, wave. Yeah, I got. And they were highly I, entertaining. I started, well, they were super fun, and uh, I have always, uh, I've always attracted strangeness and accepted it gratefully you know so uh, now you have the start of your book
0: you've got your book you've got the first 25
1: chapters well and i also have uh the title of my book that i got years and years ago so i was this is before i so i had maybe been in the news i was in news for like four years and then i went into production and then my career changed to this throughout but i was waiting at the brown county fair and they had replaced the uh the people who did the midway so i was waiting in the midway people are always upstanding as you know carnies loads of fun so i was waiting for the head carny and i was sitting in a chair and next and it was like a thousand degrees and next to me on the floor on the ground was a sharp head. and those are the uh, like the wrinkled dogs mm-hmm. you know the ones with the wrinkly skin and of course as a trained observer i noticed that not only can they they not control the tautness of their skin, but apparently they can't control their- Sphincter? Anus. No, and so it was wide open and bugs were crawling <laughs> in and like going in and not coming out. And I'm like looking at it, and then I thought to myself, this is literally the story of my life. Other people would be looking at the sky or leaves and I am watching insects commit suicide in a dog's ass <laughs> So I decided if I ever wrote a book, it would be called Nats the Asshole of a <laughs> would be. I think it's a great title. So poetic. So, was, it is so poetic. Isn't it, isn't, it, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it just felt good at the time, but it feels good right now, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned.
0: I predict bestseller. So, so you yeah, moved into advertising. I, you moved into advertising. Well, I, you know, I, I consider North Coast a, a, a member of the advertising family. Um, Well, so
1: what I did was, uh, you know, I became the commercial editor at 11, uh, because I decided news was changing. It wasn't feature stories anymore. It was like, hard news was starting to dominate even then. And I was in, I liked being a news photographer, because it was creative. So Mm -hmm. as the creativity left, I decided to edit. And uh, so a lot of what I edited was uh agency commercials like with jim parrish for instance. Sure. And Jimmy, Jimmy and I did so many ads that he would shoot and then he'd come in and we would edit and we had so much fun and made, you know, Jim Parrish is just spectacular in our market. He was he was always the number one cinematographer and had he just had things that other people didn't have. And uh but God, we had so much fun. So Then I moved away, so that was, uh, I worked in that for six years. I moved to Milwaukee, and I worked at three different places, and that's where I did heavy
0: advertising. I see. So I
1: worked with Laughlin Constable, and Hoffman York, and uh, Kramer Cressel, and the Chicago agencies, and I made pretty much nothing but national spots, or at the very least, regional spots all the time Mm -hmm. you know and that's where it was just a wildly fun time of my career and it was a whole different world like you would uh I remember the first time that a Milwaukee agency came in so I I moved down to uh, Milwaukee and I languished for maybe three months because no one knew who I was and then all of a sudden by through some quirk Laughlin Constable couldn't find another place to edit so they booked the place I was at And uh, they came in to edit with me. And that was the beginning of me then working with them for, Mm -hmm. you know, six years till I left. But we were doing a a group of spots for a new Miller beer that was coming out called Miller Reserve, which came out and then disappeared. Disappeared. They brought Mm -hmm. in on tape 30,000 feet of 35 millimeter film that they had shot of um and so it was transferred to tape a thirty-five thousand feet of nothing but like helicopter shots of threshers in nebraska oh, like yeah, in a row true. of five threshers coming at you in the helicopter it was like the greatest footage you've ever seen and i'm like are you kidding me it was just like going to heaven it, <laughs> i couldn't even believe it like out of the blue this just drops into my lap and then uh you know and then i just made stuff like that until i decided to move back to green bay and then
0: you went to work for Pulse? Or-
1: Pulse, yeah. And then when Pulse uh, bit the big one, uh, uh, yes. I uh, ended up uh, being at North Coast, which was uh, per- basically uh, Jay, one of my coworkers at Pulse, he uh, mm-hmm. picked up the pieces and purchased the assets from the bank and mm-hmm. started what we, where I still work today. Mm-hmm. So in my life, you know, I've had six jobs. I've never had a resume, not one second, ever. I have never had to type a resume or had to apply for a job in my
2: entire life. Dude.
1: After the, since I was in college, I've never yes. wanted to apply for a job.
0: That's fantastic. Young and stuff. That's not how you do it, it today, but.
1: Well, you know what, though? The the reason is, is because if you do it right, then people wish to hire you. Mm. You know, uh, and so that's kind of how it, but you also have to be lucky, you know, and all the rest We're of that stuff, together, but I mean,
2: yeah.
1: for me though, it's just, uh, like any other thing. And I still will tell people now, you, you have to get your start at any level, but then you have to be passionate and you have to, if you love it and you become good at it, they'll hire you. They'll- if you, if you do it, they will come.
0: Let's talk about passion. Let's talk about some of your passion projects. People know you for one of your passion projects as Ned the Dead. Um, are you doing any other passion projects these days? And-
1: you know, my main passion now is to stock up on uh Prevagen to keep my brain healthy. Uh, I, as I'm starting, I'm 63, you know, so I'm like, I feel like uh, my coworkers give me the eye every once in a while when I ask them a question and clearly I've asked them three other times, you know, so right now I, I get done with work and I go on Amazon and just load up on Prevagen. I've got a full garage full of it now, so, but I don't have, so the Ned the Dead thing was a whole different. You know, I did that for almost 30 years, and that was... That was a long time. Uh, it, well, and it was a part-time job. I mean, literally a part-time job. And uh, so that one was different. And so I've always been a very solitary person. I mean, I'm really not as social as I seem, you know. And so, uh, you know, because as you and I know, I mean, as much as we've known each other for 30 years, mm-hmm. uh, maybe... Yeah. Uh, we see each other once every five years or whatever. Probably. I just don't, I don't do that. I yeah. mean, I kind of am. A, keep a low sort of profile. A, yeah. Well, I'm just, yeah, that's just kind of me. But then when called upon, I can dish all the way if I want. Yes, but I just <laughs> kind of keep it inside. And so that's just the kind of person I am. So, you know, currently I don't really have anything, you know, and when your kids leave, you know, you're older and your kids have split. And you're just sort of hanging out and then there's a huge pandemic and it's like, uh, it does throw a wrench into some of those passion filled thoughts, you know? Right.
0: So I'm not going to see you on TikTok so, doing the uh, You know, Applebee's. not
1: TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> no. You know, though, I, I'll tell you what, though, as I appreciate, uh, I appreciate all of that. You know, I appreciate, I don't appreciate Twitter as much as I appreciate uh, TikTok. Same. And uh, I, I like TikTok because it basically took Twitter's idea but made it into video, which is short, funky, you know, let's see if we can Clever. hold your interest and then mm-hmm. watch. So it has an inherently awesome plan. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, whoever came up with TikTok, and it was an easy, it's easy. It's like, let's take uh, YouTube, but we'll limit it at one minute. And I mean it was like an easy thought, yet apparently it wasn't because no one else had done it.
0: But you know how and, hard uh, it is to create a message that's under a minute. You know how hard that is. Yeah. So I'm addicted yeah. to it. I think it's so brilliant, so clever some of the some of the little mini stories or just I, I, I'm mesmerized by it.
1: Well I think that what I appreciate so much is the humor and intelligence and quick wittedness
2: Mm -hmm. of,
1: of, uh, younger people.
2: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: I mean, I think that, uh, you know, when you sit from my perch in your sixties and you look, you can either be some dried up old, you know, doofus, (laughs) ah, or you can accept the obvious, which is that the group of younger people right now have amazing skills and they see the world so coolly and they're smart and funny and 100 uh, yeah and i love when there are vehicles for that to happen so i spend zero time dissing jojo siwa or whoever are the you know what yep. i mean whoever wow. are the tiktok people yep. i think that's the coolest thing ever i totally you know? agree yep
0: absolutely yeah, now,
1: twitter on the other hand uh i i think that I I have a bone out for Twitter because I think it's turned us into being mean people, like Mm. where we have to troll other people, or we get to uh, that part. I don't like. I don't like the meanness, but I I love the creativity. And people tweet, you know, you go on and see something happen, and you go on and with one minute, in one minute, people have tweeted something so funny and like that. I love. I love that
0: that too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like. (laughs) How smart are they?
0: Um, Tell me about some of your most favorite client
1: projects.
0: I'm sure you've had many.
1: You know, I mean, I've had a lot. I had, uh, when I worked in Milwaukee, I had just tons of them. I mean, there was, uh, there were all kinds of spots that were really fun. Even Wisconsin, we did Wisconsin lottery spots back in the day and Wisconsin tourism spots and, uh, you know, all kinds of beer spots and sharps spots and, uh, they were fun in the, in the, back in the day, uh, for instance, let's say you were going to make, let's say we were going to make a, sh- a spot for Wisconsin tourism where now you're likely to have a pinned down script and you're pretty much only shooting the script. But in those days they spent the money and took the time to shoot it five different ways and all this ancillary stuff. So when you'd go into edit, there would be offline editing and online editing. So offline would be what you would do now with your Final Cut or your Premiere or whatever, uh, because that existed, but not in a form that you could air. So you would use what was called Avid, and it's still around, but Avid was the nonlinear device that you would use. But so you'd use that to create a version of the spot that the client signed off on. Mm -hmm. And then once they signed off, you would take it into online and you would go to the tapes that, uh, you know, the tapes that came with and all the color correction and all that, and you would create the spot after the fact. But it wasn't unusual to spend three days offlining a single 30-second spot. Really? Three full days. Really? With, with the, the uh, creative director, the writer, the art director. And never was there a client present, though. They never allowed the clients to be there, which was awesome. And then, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but so it would be four people or more rocking it out for three full days. Wow. Yeah. 250 an hour or whatever it is too, you know, so the budgets were large and you would just try it this way. And then you try it that way. And, you know, there was so much time uh, to make neat stuff. And these were imagey spots too. Mm -hmm. The one thing that people, when I came back to green Bay, so I was, you know, 31 or 32 or whatever. And I had, I had misjudged the fact that after having made, spent six or seven years making all these amazing image spots, I had forgotten that in our market here, Green Bay and Appleton, you don't make image spots. You Mm -hmm. make item and price spots or you make specials or whatever. There is no money for image spots. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that I had to deal with in my career and in my life. And I ended up sacrificing that part, because this is where I wanted to raise my kids. But we'd make decisions like that all the time. Sure. And so, you know, if I- We worked on
0: a lot of what they used to call, or I don't know if they still call it industrials, right? Yeah, corporates uh, and
1: industrials. I mean, I would think that in my career, just as an editor, I have edited probably over 5,000 television commercials. I would think that I've made maybe 2,000 corporate videos and a uh, thousand fifteen hundred, two thousand uh, industrial videos, plus all kinds of other stuff, not to mention radio and all the rest.
0: So, wow, um, that's prolific, yeah. definitely well, prolific.
1: It doesn't make it great. <laughs> it just says that uh, I've made a lot of stuff. Yeah. But you know, I am one thing though that I realized is that I'm fine. if if I'm gonna make, let's say I'm gonna make fifty things and five out of 50 are going to be things that I really love, then that's a high ratio, Mm -hmm. and that's fine, Mm -hmm. you know, because so I came to realize that that's what my life is. It's that I stay happy and have fun all the time, and I do my best on every single thing, and then when the things come around that are super fun, then I have super fun.
2: Yes,
1: You know, and the rest of the time, I just, you know, be happy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that's kind of been my my thing. You know.
0: um Let me see what else I want to ask you. Is there a dream uh, brand or project that you'd love to work on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would certainly have loved to work on Nike in its day. Or I remember sitting in a bar in Green Bay, uh, and I was uh talking to this guy, and you know, eventually, I'm you know, like he was just sitting next to me, and what you know, what do you do for a living? And he said, Yeah, I'm a you know, I'm a uh, commercial producer and I'm like, really, where do you work? And he said, Widen and Kennedy. And I'm like, really? Woo. You work at Widen mm-hmm. and Kennedy. And so, what are you doing in Green Bay? And he said, well, we're going to be shooting Nike Spot with this Owls. Cause I was like a block away from Owls on Washington and they were coming for the pre setup for the spot that they shot in Green Bay that had Owls in it and all the rest of that stuff. And so, mm-hmm. I got to talking to him about uh, what it was like to work on the Nike account, and uh, it just sounded like, you know, some of the coolest uh, spots ever.
0: Sure, and Nike they still they still rock yeah. them out.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also like, I like the fact that, you know, if I look at the spots in my life, like the advertising that I find amazing, uh, like I go back, one of the things I think about all the time is when they had the Budweiser Frog, Right, and they would just say nothing but er." and they each three frogs and they each had their own way of saying their part and I always thought who I wanted to be when the writer wrote that because the whole spot was literally these frogs just went there was nothing but syllables in the entire 30 second spot so a writer or a team of writers wrote that where the script had nothing but syllables They sold it to the creatives in their agency. They pitched it to Budweiser and said, you know, all we're really going to say about the product is there's going to be three animated frogs that no one's ever really animated like this before. We're going to make these frogs look pretty good. And they're going to do nothing but say the syllables that they're responsible for. And they talked them into it, and it ended up revolutionizing uh, revolutionizing advertising, mm-hmm.
0: I know it, you wonder how they yeah. how do you sell those ideas? How do you
1: be in that pitch meeting? I mean, because <laughs> you have to pitch, you know, I love that stuff though, where you pitch stuff, you watch it, and you go, How the hell did they ever pitch that?
0: They probably said, and yet it, Smoke this peyote, and we're going to show you our concept.
1: And they right. said, We'll take oh, it. And, it. Probably, and who wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> I mean, I tell you, I would be uh on the frogs, for God's sake! As I'm just saying, I always
0: wonder how those pitches happen and who's signing off on it. How do they? But they're
1: still awesome. Uh, There's still spots, like for instance, the uh, lemu emu, you know, mm-hmm. and Doug, the spots that are on now. That's the same kind of thing. Like, well, we're going to have an emu and this doofus named Doug, and we're going to do a couple, you know, a continuing series of spots with Mm. like emu, lemu and Doug, like who teaches that? And then they're great. (laughs) I mean, so I I love that part. Yes. And one of the things that I think, as long as we have our place, we get to say stuff here is that. If you are young and in this business, the day that you start only giving the client what you think they want is the day that you begin to lose, in my opinion. And by lose, I don't mean it as a big, but I'm saying the day that you don't at least, in addition to telling them what they want, tell them what you think they might be able to have, because I've been with so many people in my career and will say, boy what if we we should have tried it like this and they'll say yeah they would have never liked that the client says you know i know what the client likes no you really don't yeah. and my opinion would be that don't throw that in the garbage present that too you know I love it. Uh, for sure yeah
0: give them i mean i
1: think that it gets passed by mm-hmm.
0: don't compromise on your creative throw that out there and see what happens may not take it right,
1: you can compromise to the extent where you don't tell the client what they have to do, Correct. but I agree with you. Don't compromise on at least saying, you know, I came up with this other thing too, and I don't know whether you're going to like it, but here it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know,
0: and any other, I, I, any other advice that you would have for um, young professionals, just starting out something that you wish someone would have said to you when you were younger.
1: Yes. I wish that they would have told me to never, ever Plan out my day ahead of time ever. And that is, you know what, because we're all in this biz, in this market, you know, we're going to maybe do 70% of stuff that's kind of like piecework Mm -hmm. and then 30% of stuff that's maybe different and has a mind of its own. Well, when you're doing some piecework elements, you can come to work thinking, here's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this and this and this and this, and that'll be it. And on those days, the first thing that happens throws you off and you're in a pissy mood all day because you had it all figured out. And I wish someone would have said, never, ever, ever come to work thinking you know what's going to happen. And if you don't, you'll be fine. And so it took it took me probably 20 years to figure out
2: Go that with I, get flow. Mm-hmm. I get paid the same. I get paid the
1: same, right? If I do The thing I thought I was going to do when I came to work, or if I do the eight things that other people brought that had to be done first, I get paid the same. Why would I spend one second worrying (laughs) about it not meeting my expectations? That would be the number one thing, in my opinion.
0: Um, You told me about, you told us about some really kind of um, crazy things that happened when you started in television. Give me like an oh shit moment when you were working on client projects.
1: Yeah, I have a, uh, I have a couple of those. I mean, I have uh, the uh, one of the things, and this was when I was still uh, working at Channel Eleven. This was kind of before I got into. Uh, this is like right away. So I'm a news photog, and I get, uh, I have to go cover the post game press conference for bart Starr, who was the coach of the packers at the time who was like one of my idols growing up so when it was a preseason game and when the game ends since channel 11 was right next door we could go live because we would literally wire it or whatever uh you know because back in the day there was no satellite there was none Mm -hmm. of that stuff and so i'm waiting in this room where bart's going to come after they after the game and i'm sitting in there and i'm like five five right so all of a sudden the game ends and the crews that were covering the game they come in and they move in front of me and they're all tall and I'm like damn so I find a chair that's right there and I step up on the chair and now I've got an awesome spot where I can see and again I'm going to be live so of course the people around me they grab chairs and all of a sudden I have a shit shot I have nothing and I'm like what the hell am I going to do and the one thing I know is that I have to have a decent shot so right behind me the chair was next to a like lunch table, right? So I'm on the chair. So I just step up kind of onto the lunch table. And now I finally have the shot. So Bart walks into the room and it's filled with media and we're all waiting. They won like 34 to six, which they probably never won like that in Bart's whole career. I go live. They're like, okay, scoop. You're live. Bart walks into the room. He looks at me he walks right up to me and says, would you do that in your own home? What's wrong with you? Get down from there. This is live television. And I'm being dressed down by, this is like being dressed down by Jesus.
2: Oh my god! If you're a young
1: kid, uh, if you're a young kid, which I probably would be dressed down by Jesus now. Oh my, my god. But, uh, oh. but it was so awful. It was just amazing, you know? And so I leaped down and so what my viewers see, is a great shot of an angry Bart walk right up to their camera and bitch, And then the <laughs> camera goes think, and they see ass. That's all. Cause that's all there was in front of me is people on chairs, asses. Oh, and so they had MG. no shot. It was it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And so, and then one other moment that is now, this was when I've had life is filled with those shit moments and it is a lot of them make life fun, right? Like how you deal with it and all that. But, there was one that is especially appropriate for right now. So uh, I've made Van Breedy spots for yes. my voices on the Van Breedy spots for 20 some years with Kathy Larkin. Yes. And then she and I are always like, how do we still get to do this? Cause she's uh, one of the nicest people in the world. But I also edit the Van Breedy spots. And uh, so they had changed the guy who was doing, uh, the Van Breedy guy, Dan Fonstad, who has since passed away, he was uh, responsible for the account when we had started. And then for, so let's say we're talking 20 years ago now. So at one point he had changed their tagline to be uh, life's too short, why shop anywhere else? And I think the reason Dan had had a couple of heart attacks. And I honestly believe that through his having heart attacks, he get this feeling like life's too short, do the good stuff, get good things, do whatever. So the end of the spots became life's too short buy shop anywhere else and they sang it in the spots. Mm-hmm. And so I was had made the little the spot for that week and it was airing and then 9/11 happened. Um. And I remember uh, watching nine eleven, and of course there were no commercials on for a full day and whatever and then I'm watching tv and the first band Brady spots wow. comes on and it says life's too short live shop anywhere else and mm-hmm. I'm like I was on the phone so fast and I went in like in the middle of the freaking night to change the spot to get that out of there to figure a way to get it on the air without that being on there yes. and we kept the live shop anywhere else and we forever dropped the yes. life's too short but it dropped on that moment because wow. it was you couldn't ever have anything
0: like that wow that was a
1: huge ocean. that
0: is huge wow but i've had
1: so many i made you know i made a spot for someone one time and they're like this just seems long i just can't and and you know it's 30 second spot i i said to the person i'm like you know i have literally made 2,500 commercials in my career, and uh, they've all been 30 seconds, and they're like, okay, yeah, I gotcha, and then, of course, uh, they got the commercial, they took it back, they, they timed it, it was a 40, <laughs> I somehow spaced out, to made a 40-second spot, which I've <laughs> never done in my life before or since, and then they're like, uh, we get the fact that you think that you've made all 30-second spots, but we just timed this, and it was 40, <laughs> so there are many dumb things, i
0: Um, all right are you working on anything fun right now anything fun that you Um, want to share you know
1: not 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 that I can say you know I mean uh I manage to have fun no matter what uh I think that for me the fun is the people that I work with uh it is uh being happy to others being kind to people you know doing nice stuff and uh loving people and laughing and, um, you know, that to me is the fun. Mm -hmm. And so if if a great project comes along, I'll embrace it as a great project, but I'm at the point where I just love being around people and doing the work. It's fun.
2: you know.
0: So do you have in, um, some last bit of advice for the industry? What is something that people who work in advertising should either stop doing or start doing?
1: Well, I think what they should stop doing is talking corporate speak and dressing up. You know, messages to me are simple, right? The messages that have resonated with me in my life the most are simple. The Even if I'm watching a YouTube video on how to change my air filter in my car. It's the one that's simple is the one that I pick. Mm -hmm. And it's simple doesn't mean it's not creative. Simple doesn't mean, it just means that it's easily understandable. And I think that we overwrite stuff and we overanalyze everything and we come up with all these bullshit terms that dress it all up. And then we circle back and then we do this and we do that. And you know what? I want my advice if you're just starting is be straight up, find the thing that matters and deliver the thing that matters and do it in a way. It can be funny. It can be fun, but don't put stuff in that's bullshit to make yourself feel like you're doing it differently. The whole point is to communicate and then we create all these terms that make it difficult to communicate along the way. Like, so when we go to the pitch, we've dressed it up and we've, you know, well, through our, you know, we've, QR, done this and that, and we've done all this other stuff. By the end of it, you could have just said, you know what, we ran it by people and they really like it and we <laughs> think it's fun as could be. And we think your brand is this. Let's try this." Love that. That's,
0: that's what I think. I, I love think that. I think so up. too. Hey, Steve, I love you. And thank you for coming on and talking with us. And um, is there anything you want me to ask you that I didn't ask you?
1: No, not really. Uh, I think I can say though, is that uh, if you're in this business and if you've sat through this thing, clearly you have some issues that you're going to need to work out. But uh, I literally come to work after 41 years, and I drive to work happy as a clam because I get to do stuff that is still more fun than other people get to do. And the pay sucks, and uh, you know of this business in general, if you're not going to make a million dollars, you know you're going to. But the reality is. You know, there used to be this thing, yeah, well they'll tell you that it's fun and that's why they're not gonna pay you. You know what? It's fun. <laughs> it's actually fun. Now and hey, so, now that
0: we're older, maybe we should trot out Twanetta and Cowboy Jimmy and we'll just go pump Rennis or something, right?
1: So Some nursing I'll home. Tell you, I <laughs> I still believe that cowboy Jimmy and the lovely Twanetta, I think we could do a thing or two with that girl. You know I what think, I'm saying?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Cowboy Jimmy, maybe we should go do the nursing home circuit.
1: (laughs) I would absolutely love to do that. Oh, my God. Yeah, except that I'm probably going to be the one being entertained, not doing the entertaining. Pretty darn
0: (laughs) Thank you again, Steve. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, ma'am. It's great to see
0: you. Take care. Okay. Principal Conversation is created with help from Studio 44 in Green Bay and produced by Adam Arnaldison. Please support your AAF Fox River Ad Club by becoming a member today. You can sign up for membership and events at AAFFoxRiver.org.